0: That's really, really bad. The Raptors lose to the Atlanta Hawks 125 to 104 in a game that can be summed up in basically one statistic, which I will read for you right now. The Raptors shot 40 of 77. That's good for 52% from the floor. The Hawks shot 51.5% from the floor. However, they took 24 more shots Um, in a game that you end up losing by 21 points, 24 attempts. That means something. In addition to that, the Raptors, they attempted, man, it must have been like, let me, let me take a poke. Let me take a poke. They attempted 20 more free throws. Sorry, 19 more free throws than the Hawks. They made nine more. Oh, boy. 56% from the line. It's just like when you're trying to see how things are meant to succeed on the floor. And the Raptors, you know, in these games, it's been a mix of some things working, some things not. You know, in some games, the defense holds up. In other games, maybe not so much. In some games, the offense kind of hums along and it looks all right. In this game, the offense does look decent. Um, They get no extra possessions, though. Zero points off of putbacks in this game. For a roster that is supposed to yield a bunch of secondary chances, for a roster that's supposed to be able to, with size at four positions, be able to put pressure on the offensive glass, they're not able to put pressure anywhere and, in fact, give up a bunch of it to atlanta john lamb says atlanta won the mid off this time but we'll get them next time i certainly hope so you know it might be the mid off but you, you like to be the winners of anything that comes through your doors and another big thing was that the raptors played a ton of zone in this game to my eye they they did not play good zone and they were undone by the simplest zone buster that there is which is the cross screen at the top uh, it was kind of funny. I remember when I was going through so much of the Raptors zone offense in 2021-22 because teams started playing a ton of zone against them because they couldn't shoot. And I was like, why don't the Raptors just run cross screens? And the answer mostly was that Fred Van Vliet is not really uh, dynamic enough to make use of cross screens, not really dynamic enough to to pop off, let's say, and Trey Young. He can pop off with cross screens. And a cross screen, you can go wide or you can just flip the screens and create like a tunnel down the middle where Trey, if he wants to, can just put the ball down, dribble into the middle, ends up shooting 15 for 29. It's a lot of shots, 7 to 15 from downtown. And 38 points, 11 assists. DeJounte Murray finishes with 17 and 9. Clint Capella, I thought, had one of his best games of the year. And he had 18 and 15. My God, the man grabbed six offensive re- rebounds. Akongwu, four offensive rebounds. Sadiq Bey, three offensive rebounds. Th- one apiece for Forrest Young and DeJounte Murray. And the Raptors end up giving 16 extra chances just in that metric. Tough, man. Um, Munib says, Today we saw offense by democracy make a return. I do think that that is going to be a talking point after this game, certainly. Uh, that was a game. I'm not so sure that the Raptors, the process was terrible. It's just that there wasn't enough process. And also pretty surprising that they couldn't muster up any ability to get extra possessions. And the fact that they were not able to stop the Hawks from getting so many extra ones. It's attention to detail, lack of it, right? and you can see that on some of the raptors rotations towards the nail to stop dribble penetration not at the point of attack but with your secondary help with your rotation and also with the fact that box outs compete level towards the end of these possessions and also the fact that if the hawks are going to f- like ride the line offensively between trey getting into the middle the jante getting into the middle spraying passes out to the perimeter and making these laydowns, the raptors are constantly put in a position where They're not able to force the Hawks' offense into any one thing. They are just being put on the back burner, on the back foot constantly, and they don't know what's coming. So they're not really sure, well, do we crash the glass? Is there going to be a laydown opportunity available? Is everybody collapsing in? Are we trying to maintain the shell? Are we trying to get out, close out the shooters? What are we trying to do here? And the Raptors have, basically, in this game, no semblance of an identity uh, defensively. They did a good job stopping, you know, a lot of shots at the rim. Okay, that's like, that's fine. Um, But they gave up a lot of shots elsewhere. And them's the breaks, man. Uh, You know, credit to Trey. I thought that some of the threes he hit in this game have just been like nuts. And (laughs) it's, it's tough in a game like this because the Raptors, you know, as Muneeb said, like we're talking about the offense by democracy. You look at the end of this game, you see that nobody really has a high level of of shot attempts. Scotty tops the team at 15. Only one other player eclipsed double digits at 11 with Pascal. And Gary has eight. Precious has seven. Boucher has four. Grady got three shots up in quick succession. He made one, one of the threes. And um, like Dennis has seven. OG has eight. Jakob goes seven for seven. The Raptors' shot making in this game wasn't so bad. It's just that if the other team shoots 24 more times than you do, uh, you're not I don't know who is going to win that game. Like the Raptors their the Raptors whole premise with under Nick Nurse since they transitioned away from the lowry led team was that they had size at a bunch of different positions. They were able to crash the offensive glass and when they looked at the numbers Teams that won the possession battle by five possessions or more won like 70% of the games in the NBA history. So what the Raptors did was they started to reverse engineer the possession battle and they won possessions at like a historic rate. Now of course it wasn't as easy. Their winning percentage wasn't as high because they were trying to get an artificial possession differential. So they weren't doing the things passively that led to that possession differential and they went out of their way for it. This led to waning, waxing transition defense. This led to less spacing on the floor and a different type of spacing because they wouldn't go above the break. They were hanging out on the baseline more often to crash the glass, like all this kind of stuff. But they did get there. And we've seen in the past, Raptors fans should know better than most. You get a lot of extra possessions. uh, You have a, a good shot at winning at the end of the game. And this game was punctuated mostly by an 18 4 run uh, by the Hawks. Before Pascal managed to get into the game, I think it was his basket actually that ended that run, kind of. Um, he just, a little bit on the baseline, got for a little pop shot. And he finishes with 34 minutes. He could have played like 36, 37. It is Darko being really staunch on his own rotations. Darko is very comfortable with. How he likes to play guys there's a couple hallmarks like pascal isn't going to play the first at the very least five minutes of the fourth quarter sometimes that stretches to seven or eight um, i've never seen it go nine i've never seen it go past that um scotty isn't going to play the full first quarter usually um pascal is going to get a rest at the start of the second quarter um og has been more flexible than i think every other starter Dennis has started to get used differently and started to get put into different lineups. Like he's playing with more of the Scotty plus bench stuff. And the Raptors are trying to see, you know, what works they got. They got 20, 23, 25 games, whatever you want to say worth of data on. Okay. We've seen these lineups. What do we think might work from here? And I wonder if I know last game, it went well, but I wonder if the Raptors look after 25 games through the season, We're almost a third of the way through it. If they look at the second highest usage lineup in the NBA, their starting lineup, a lot of minutes, a lot of possessions, losing a lot of those minutes, the bulk of them putting themselves in a hole. This was the sixth game in a row where they were down by 10 at the very least, and they're constantly putting themselves in a position to come back and to win, and that's not really fair. That's not. You're not gonna win a lot of games. Maybe fair isn't the right thing. It may because it's on the one hand, it's not fair to the players, but also these guys they they're just losing, man. They can't defend a lick. The offense was okay tonight, but they didn't have enough possessions to even keep themselves in it. I see a lot of people talking about like just build the offense around Scotty. I thought that Scotty had a really good game today, especially getting into the teeth of the defense. Um, they played in transition heaps. and like I think that almost a quarter of their possessions over the course of the game were in transition. If you juice the transition plays, that means you're gonna see a correlation in Scotty's statistics, especially assists and points typically going up. Why? Because Scotty directs transition. He's the guy who gets the ball. He gets to push, collapse the defense, make a play. If they don't collapse, he'll go one on one at the rim against somebody. He's a great finisher. We see him finish with 23 and eight in this game, uh, nine of 15 from the field. That's a tidy little stat line. I thought that the Raptors were a little bit lackadaisical in making sure that Pascal got enough possessions in this game. I know he shoots five for 11. He missed a couple mid range jumpers. Um, the one shot, I don't know if they counted it after the fact. It got goaltended. Uh, it's been tough when they're not able to control the volume of their stars. And that's by, by and large, the biggest gripe from the fandom that I see is when the offense isn't humming. And Pascal is the Raptors best half court creator. People are like, how do we control his usage? How do we get him the ball more? And when Scotty is having a good game and when Scotty is in the game at all, he's the star of the future. People want to see him get possessions, get reps and they see him succeed at them a lot, like in a game like this, leads the Raptors in shot attempts, leads the Raptors in points, leads the Raptors in assists. These are great things going forward, but when you end up only scoring 104 points, the questions automatically become, how do we get more? Why did we only get 104 when we see good, um, we see good possessions? We see good outcomes. It's just they didn't have enough of them. I hate to say it in this game that the Raptors offensively, I would have liked to see more possessions out of the hands of like Precious Achua, who spent quite a bit of time on ball. Most games, I'd like to see a little bit less Dennis, of course. And the Raptors, I think, can move some of those possessions towards a Pascal, towards a Scotty. And in this game, they weren't able to overhaul and do it. We see a little bit of that reflection in the offense. But also on top of that, like their half court points per possession in this game, were leagues better than what they average on the season, their shot making in this game is roughly around like 52% from the field, 32% from three is a little low. Um, Maybe that's just what happens when your two best shooters, Scotty and OG combined for two for nine from downtown. But you get two for two from Maokai, who I thought had a great game. You get two of five from Gary. And the Raptors, the big thing, no rebounds, no passion No aggression, no vision. What are we doing here? And not only that, but maybe you look at this game and say they could have grounded out, grinded it out. And um, in a game like this, they give up way too many offensive rebounds. Like maybe this game, if they had been better at cleaning up their own, like maybe, maybe if you clean up your own glass better, right, then Scotty gets more rebounds or Scotty is able to push And Scotty is able to get out in transition. You can juice your numbers that way. Um, Other guys get more involved because they run with him. And you're able to close out more of those possessions. That obviously wasn't the case. That wasn't the outcome in this game. And the Raptors, they just, they get shellacked, man. Uh, This was probably OG's quietest game. Uh, Somebody says, there's a question about Pascal. Here we go. Um, From Trevor Norlander says, is part of that on Pascal? Does he not have to assert himself more at that end? Always, always, some of it lies with the player. Of course, and some of it, you know, it can range. Um, in this game, I do think that Pascal made a lot of the correct reads. The type of defense that the Hawks were playing was a uh, stark contrast to what they played last uh, last game. Um, the Hawks went over a lot of screens in game one. Um, they were not ducking under everything. The Hawks were pursuing over the top, chasing. and Pascal, Scotty, OG, they can do really well with the chase. And also having high-low feeds available to, like what, Pirtle finished with six assists last game? How many have tonight? Zero? It's a direct correlation in the scheme and the, the matchups that the Hawks are playing. If you're going under everything, you're going to compress on the inside of the defense. You're going to make it much more important to hit threes. You're going to make it much more important to break that shell open. And the Raptors, they have to look for what shot the mid-range jumper, typically. Scotty did a really good job of, He his 9 of 15, a lot of that comes in transition. Some of that comes on broken plays. Some of that is him taking a pick and roll, crossing back between his own legs and taking it on the strong side, going up for a layup. Like, great job. For Pascal in this game, if he wanted more volume, a couple things have to happen. When he makes the right read, guys have to hit more threes. His assists came late in the game, uh, most of them. And he had broken the defense down a few times. And also, if he wants more volume in this game, he has to see that they're playing him in the gaps. They're protecting the drive by pulling off of other guys. If those shots aren't going to be made and he doesn't want to make that read, what does he have to do? He has to shoot from the mid-range. And he can shoot from the mid-range, but it's kind of tough in a game where you see like the team shooting 52% from the floor. Some good things are happening. A guy like Malachi has hit two threes. You know, Gary's hit two threes. He goes baseline to Chris Boucher in the corner. Chris Boucher hits a three. And you want to keep giving Scotty and OG those looks from three because those are your two best shooters coming into this game. They're both shooting 39.4% from three. So the reads that Pascal is making, a lot of them can be justified. But also, Pascal, this is part of being a star, an all-star level player, is knowing when you have to lean on your own shot making and knowing when you keep with the flow of the offense. So sometimes his, his teammates didn't look for him in the post when maybe they could have, but also the way that the Hawks were playing in the gaps, pulling off of other guys, playing one and a half, not going to two all that much. Um, Pascal was in a tough position. He made some good reads and was a little bit passive at times. They could have certainly um, asked Pascal to shoot more and they could have went to his chest and said, Hey, we need you taking more shots. But he kept making the right read for the most part. And then he got froze out of the offense just a tad. And then he sat at the end of the game, right? And that's the biggest thing. He only plays 34 minutes. He typically plays more than that. The shot chart is going to skew ideally towards Scotty and Pascal in the clutch. Um they've their shot making both of them in the clutch per NBA stats. I think have been really good. And the Raptors didn't get that opportunity. So that's kind of the big thing. So Pascal, some of that is just lack of aggression on his own end. Some of that is Credit to the Hawks. The Hawks played big in this game. Like you get a lot of minutes with Akongwu. You get a lot of minutes with Capella. You have Sadiq Bay there. You have Dejounte Murray in the gaps. He has a big wingspan. He's a big guard in that sense. He's pretty good with digs. Guess what? If you're if you're a, a wing who wants to drive middle like Pascal does, you're going to see a lot of attention. So I think that is my answer for. The the Pascal stuff, as far as like contextualizing it and couching it, those are the motivators for why that happened. And then the quick answer for like, whose fault is it? um A little bit teammates looking him off when they probably shouldn't because he was able to bend the defense. A little bit himself passing out of, maybe passing a little bit early against some looks where a guy is stunting him instead of coming all the way in for the double. Take that escape dribble, drag them farther to the baseline, create a more open shot for your guy above the break. Some of that is like decision making and aggression. That's that's how it shakes out. Um, Scotty, I think, did such a good job at picking his spots in this game. Really, really impressive. Uh, that's probably the biggest takeaway anybody should have after this game. Is like, hey, we got twenty three points, eight assists from Scotty, two blocks, and both of them coming way out of nowhere, like peeling off of a dude coming from behind, swatting that. And just like really great sense for defensive playmaking. Um, he got a steal as well. Although I think that one just fell into his hands. And uh, that's kind of the way it shakes out. Really impressive from Scotty. The Raptors, they lost this one on the glass. Like this game was lost on the glass. Because they're, what they were trying to... Which also, that is a zone defense thing as well, right? When you play zone, your partner for boxing out and going up is... You know, it's less apparent. Everybody is, every team always struggles more with rebounding against zone. Um, It's also why Tristan Thompson had like a crazy run of rebounding with the Cavs because they started to see some zone. He's just chewing it up on the inside, getting to the ball. And the Raptors, they struggled with that. Way too many more possessions for the Hawks in this game. Just way, way too many more. You can't come back from 24-shot differential. Even if you took that many more free throws, like, that that affects it. Part of the Raptors' usage is in their free throws. That wasn't for the Hawks, that big disparity there. But the Raptors, you make 56% from the line, not going to cut it. Like Malachi goes three for four. Pascal goes three for four. Those are your two best free throw shooters on the night. You know, a tough night for Scottie as far as like shooting. One for five from three, four for eight from the free throw line. Don't want to harp on that too much. I think Scottie's been sublime this season. Didn't have it tonight from the free throw line or from three. Oh, well, like we move. Uh, one for two for Precious, two for five for Chris Boucher. And especially during that run, you see like Chris is making these really good cuts. Scotty's feeding him. And Chris, you know, you get to the line, you get fouled, and they just don't fall in. What do you do, man? It's, uh, it's been tough. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a tough game. When you can't rebound and you can't defend. And the Raptors, there's been a couple games this season where they've been able to outscore teams. There's been a couple games this season where they've been able to out defense teams. There hasn't been enough where those two things coalesce and they look like a good team. Uh, I think that the Hawks coming into Toronto, you know, not necessarily a back to back, but that two game series, I think that they had an opportunity to take two james says our best chance at a pizza party and we blew it i think that's accurate man um i did a podcast with curly we recorded it around noon today and he asked me if i thought the raptors would win tonight and i said yeah i think they do and i think they get that pizza party but it's not looking like it uh the pizza party is a it's a hilarious subplot of this season uh winning three games in a row used to be just like a mindless thing that happened for these raptors. Uh they used to win like six in the blink of an eye. You'd be like, "Oh, they won six games in a row." If they didn't win three in a row, you'd be like, "Oh, that's a little disappointing." Over a 10-game stretch, you'd be like, like "At least three of these are happening in succession." And that's tough, man. That's not at all. <laughs> the 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 expectations have been lowered. But of course they have, right? Because the Raptors have not been succeeding at the same level for quite some time. They brought in a coach who is definitely geared more towards the future than the present. Although it's his job to sidle the both and make those two, you know, I use the term coalesce already on the podcast, but sure, we can use it again to marry those two things together. And he's maybe struggled a bit with it. But this is a Raptors team that is struggling at a lot of the things that everyone expected them to struggle at. and. This is also a team that is underperforming defensively. When I look at the defense, I didn't really like the decision to go to zone. Um, I know there's coaches in the NBA and decision makers in the NBA that don't like zone don't like relying on it because they think it drills in bad um, foundational things into the players. It makes them think like you don't, it takes out that dog in them to stick a guy. Same with Uh, A lot of like peel switching and nexting some of those like hyper vigilant off ball rotations to help guys with their point of attack defense. Some teams don't like to do that because they think it's wrong for their foundational defense, even if it does better. And that's like, that's tough. Um, The Raptors, they do play some of the more aggressive schemes. They are, have been aggressive at times, pulling off of different places to try and Stopgap the point of attack stuff, which has been much worse than it was early on in the season. Dennis has been worse there. Um, Pascal is being asked to guard at the point of attack a lot. He's been a little bit more disappointing there than he was at the start of the season, although he was never at Dennis's level. Dennis was really strong to start the year. And the Raptors as a whole, their rotation at the back end to help those guys isn't as quickly, and so isn't as quick, sorry, isn't coming as quickly. and. Also, if you're not coming quickly, but you're still coming, you're still leaving the guy behind you, right? You're still leaving somebody open. So if you're going to make the rotation, don't kind of like kick it around. Don't, don't be like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get there. Hmm. Ha. You got to be aggressive with it. Commit to what you're playing. And the Raptors, I think have uh, a bit of a problem recently with committing to what they're doing defensively. And I don't think it's that what they're doing defensively is that complicated. I think some of it is effort. And that effort can be seen across the board. Like even OG, who is the like gold star, you're the defender. You're you're in contention for awards around defending. Every star in the league is whispering to their agent, like, put it out there. We want this guy on our team. They And then everybody talks to Masai, like, where's OG? Can we pair him with our star? All this kind of stuff. Even he has been like eh, defensively, that's where this team has been on that end of the floor, like sure, they outscore the Hawks like crazy last game. they didn't have it this game um uh from Coco, she asks, so the problem, sorry, Coco asks, so the problem with defense is a lack of decisiveness from my perspective, partially, um, I also think that the Raptors. They, by playing bigger, are naturally a little bit less quick, a little bit slower at the point of attack. This means they're going to allow more pressure coming downhill, which means that they lean on their decisiveness a little bit more than other teams do. Uh, you can look at the New York Knicks as a good example. The Knicks play kind of big and they also have to work on their decisiveness and they are very decisive and they're very committed. So their help in the lane is typically very impressive. And there is a ton of commitment and they use their length to recover to the rest of the floor and they use their size at the rim. The Raptors are not achieving that same level of defense as the Knicks, despite having a similar talent level, I would say, because the level of commitment is not exactly there. I think those teams are really um, good comparisons for success on defense and underperforming on defense. And yeah, the Raptors, it's been disappointing. Glad to see another 7-for-7 seven seven game from Jakob. He still remains one of the best finishers in the league. He is ever impressive when he gets the step in stride, whether he's speeding to the rim, beating guys to the glass, or using a dribble, using that drag slew foot move through the paint to get that extra step. Kind of, It's a manipulation the same way that Harden uses the gather step. He's really clever. He has a soft touch, but you can't control for his volume either. And it's not like you can just give Jakob possessions and say, here you go, create. Jakob scores when somebody else, typically one of Pascal, Barnes, or Schroeder, in this game, it was actually OG early on, gets downhill, draws the second defender, finds Jakob, Jakob finishes from there. But you can't control for his volume. If somebody creates an advantage, then he can start scoring. But as far as like trying to lean into his efficiency, you can't because it's completely dependent on shape, creating and adjusting the shape of the defense blowing it up and the raptors they started out quite well doing so i thought a lot of their scripted plays early on in the game were effective the first play in particular i think had four options in it they ran through all of those in the first i think like i don't know seven or eight seconds of that sequence and then og gets a drive little lay down to him you score a bucket Uh, there was another one that led to a scotty bucket And I'm looking at, I'm like, these are, these are nicely drawn up plays, but the Raptors still, when they wanted to go to the simple stuff, uh, the simple stuff didn't work exactly well enough in this game because the Hawks kept going under everything. They compressed in the paint. They were really good at cleaning up their own glass and God, did they ever grab so, so much from the Raptors on the other end, (laughs) tough game. Uh just to spotlight Malkai. I thought Maokai, I know he finishes at a minus three, but I thought he was brilliant. Uh relative to expectations tonight. Um, quick decisions off the bounce, got into the teeth of the defense quite often. I know he got four fouls. I know they played zone because of his presence. Listen, Malkai isn't going to be a super talented defender. He's a small guard. I get it. But what he did offensively, quick decisions, shot making, and even before like the one possession. He really helped out on the defensive glass by getting back, and I think he had a contested rebound he grabbed over. Either it was a Kongwu or Capella. So I thought, great game for Malachi. Uh, if the rest of the team had been up to stuff, that might have meant something a little bit more in this one. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't. Uh, we get to see Grady put up three shots. He airballed one. Uh, we saw Jalen McDaniels put up three shots. He missed all three. Garrett plays two and a half minutes. Thad plays two and a half minutes. Otto doesn't play. Uh, Those guys come out Grady, Jalen, Temple, and Young at a plus one. And uh, yeah. Uh, John Lamb says, Glad it's December 15th. Hopefully there's movement to a direction soon. Yeah. Probably not tonight. Probably not tomorrow. But it will heat up. And if there is a decision to be made. Prior to the deadline, we are marching towards it at the very least. And I don't know what the Raptors are going to do. I never pretend to be a soothsayer for the front office. Any sources I have are typically like more grassroots like I, I know uh, like people I don't know the the big wigs in the front office really. Um, but I, I know <laughs> I know some other people who might hear stuff, but they're not going to be there when it's said. Um, So I don't know. I don't know what the Raptors are trying to add. I don't know what the Raptors are trying to get rid of. My suspicion has been always that OG is going to stay past the deadline. Pascal will probably go at the deadline and Gary Trent could also go at the deadline and they are going to make OG their priority for the offseason. Resigning him, doing so with a larger role for him, promised to him, and maybe we'll see the Raptors kind of giving a showcase of that in the post-Pascal era, um, giving OG more possessions to kind of see what he wants to do, how he likes it, as like an audition from the team to player to say, you have a bigger role here if you resign, and we could also potentially give you the most money. Um, Simon asks, "What is my opinion on Keegan Murray?" Uh, I talked to Curly. We talked about this on the podcast earlier today, uh, a different podcast, uh, the Live by the Three podcast, which is Curly's, which is great. If anybody wants to listen, I think Keegan is probably, uh, as far as the mix between good player now and prospect in the future, he is the the highest bar that the Raptors could get in a return for either OG or Pascal. Uh, I like. I really like a guy like Nemhard. I like some of the Hawks prospects, but as far as like proven impact already expected impact in the future, I think that Keegan is probably the the high bar. Um, I think Keegan Murray is really impressive. His defense this year has been nuts. Um, he could look really well, like he could look really, really good next to uh, Scotty, in my opinion. And I think he's having a down shooting year, but I believe in the shot. I believe in some of the progressive reads that he makes when he puts the ball down and he has size, and he really cares defensively, and um, yeah, Music Deli says, all I know is if the Raptors do trade Pascal, they'll find a way to not get any shooters out of the deal. Oh, man, that would be funny. (laughs) Um, I hope that's not the case. Pascal has been one of my... I've had such a joy covering Pascal's game over the past however many years. I think his progression, his development has been just like an absolute wonder to cover. This is also a player who he hit the game winning shot. It's not a game winner, but he hit the game winning shot in game six of the finals over like a, like an era defining defender in Draymond Green. Draymond reaches in, swim move, push shot. The game is up to free throws after that. And, and Pascal is the last guy making a shot. He also had 26 and 10. He had what 32 in game 1 of the finals. He got the max contract. He was the 27th overall pick. His story with the Raptors is immense. His story with the Raptors, what he's been to this city, like giving back to it and just like as a friend to a bunch of different players, he's beloved. And I know the the Raptors fan base it's not that they hate Pascal, but they're ready for a different iteration of this team and Pascal as the longest tenured guy and the max player clearly you know on his jersey it says all the other things that the everyone else's jersey says but to a lot of fans it says like old version of the raptors and people want a different iteration it doesn't mean pascal is disliked although everyone in chat has probably seen that stuff espoused um at some points in the season uh and in seasons past but uh he i hope he's beloved uh on his way out because there are other players that left who didn't receive that treatment, let's say. And uh these guys won a championship here. I hope that when Pascal goes, if he does, that um that it's with like a warm embrace or something like that. Um Solar Tear says I'd keep Pascal if he hit threes like Scotty. Well, he's what, like nine of fourteen over his last 14 3 point shots. He's currently regressing back up. Uh it looks more and more like he'll probably finish this season, I would guess, north of 30%. But even so, north of 30% isn't really good. You, I would have liked to see Pascal this year, as he's moved off ball a little bit, as he has more assisted threes coming his way, I would have liked to see him climb up to like 36 or 37%. But he's a guy who shot like 33% over the past handful of seasons. Um, James says he'll never be a good three-shooter. Uh, statistically, probably not. Uh, he had one good three point shooting season. Well, two, I guess 2018, 19, where the bulk of them came from the corner. He had a lot of corner threes. His percentage went up. It was a huge step for him. He also shot like 80 or 82% from the free throw line. And then the next season where he took that max extension jump and he shot like 34% on his pull up threes. He was taking almost three a game. He was hitting a ton above the break and he finished at 36% on that season even with a dip at the end of the year, too. So those two seasons were looking like, oh, yeah, Pascal is going to be a good three-point shooter. But it didn't happen that way. He had shoulder surgery. He's had lower body stuff. He's been injured. He's been overworked. And he stagnated. And then he descended a little bit as far as his three-point efficacy. So we'll see. Um, But Just again, if anybody wants to read about Scotty's shooting, I did a feature on it. You can go to raptorsrepublic.com and uh, find that if you want to read about it, all the numbers and what it means for Scotty to shoot so well from three. uh, You can find that at raptorsrepublic.com if anybody is interested. It's been, uh, yeah, Simon says that 2020 season is so underrated with the bubble playoffs. What could have been for Pascal? Yeah, the Raptors... They were trending in a very strong direction. They had a lot of the the hallmarks statistically of a finals team. And they, uh, I don't think that, well, that obviously didn't end up being the way. And Pascal didn't get to play basketball for like months. And then obviously flamed out in the playoffs offensively. Defensively, he was tremendous during that playoff run. But, you know, it's not that important for people if you can't shoot above 40% from the floor in the series, which is underwhelming, I would say. Um, those guys says Pascal 44% in the corner, low attempts, but he can probably be above 37% there. Um, Pascal can definitely be above 37% from the corner, certainly, but above the break threes are worth their weight in gold, and that's why Scotty is so impressive, man, because Scotty, I don't know if after this game it'll be above 40%, but he's leading into this game, shooting above 40% on above the break threes. That's the most important one that allows other players to go to the corner that allows you to support actions as a shooter above the break, but also as a secondary ball handler. If you can draw a close out in the middle of the floor, it means that you can make passing reads to both sides of the floor. If you're coming from the corner, you basically can only make passing reads one way, right? And while it's good enough to drive baseline, it's much better to drive middle scotty making that huge step not just as a three-point shooter but as a above the break three-point shooter means that he gets to branch out his possessions way more it gives him more opportunities it widens the you know diversity of uh team building that you can try to do around him and it's just awesome it's uh it's it's been great truly truly fun to see what uh, scotty's been able to do. Um. Dougie Hamilton says, "Give Scotty spacing with a shot creating guard. Shot creating guards make the world go round, man. Um, it's like I know Steph is the only guard who's won Finals MVP in the past however many years, uh, but the wings who have won Finals MVP are emulating guard skills, and they still typically played next to like fantastic guards. KD still played next to uh, Steph, obviously. LeBron played next to Kyrie. I guess." Jokic played next to Murray and Murray is great in a playoff setting. And um, as far as uh, I guess Giannis, you have Drew. He's not at the same level, obviously, but Drew was all-star level impact for like a five-year stretch, just kind of hovering around it. And then finally getting selected last year before he got traded to the Celtics, obviously. Phoenix plays E says, Are we buying the above the break threes from Scotty, though? We got very preemptive about Pascal's three point shot in 2020. I think that it's more fair to look at Pascal's jumper as a side effect of the surgery, the shoulder subluxation. Uh, he had a down year, like in every single shooting thing, as far as the Tampa season. And then he injured his soldier shoulder, and then he had to get um, he had to get surgery on it. And then he's had like a whole bunch of stuff. Pascal is really impressive in that he kind of makes people forget how injured he's been because he has gone out there and played like thirty eight minutes per game from the moment he gets back into the lineup. And he plays a style that includes a lot of miles run. And he has a lot of usage. But he's had a lot of stuff. He's been dinged up a lot. And um, Music Deli says Scotty's young and healthy. Um, Like That's part of it. Scotty, he has a quieter three-point shot. Um, His mechanics are a little bit simpler than Pascal's. Especially on the bottom half. Pascal, even when he was hitting like 34% on his pull-up threes, he always had a propensity to toe-tap. Um, he always had, he can kind of like get off kilter with his jumper and he tries to balance everything off top. Uh, Scotty, I think is simpler, less points of failure. And, uh, yeah, Dawson net also says COVID really affected him. Didn't he say, yeah, there's a few players that are like, damn COVID hit me hard. So yeah, it's, uh, oh, here's a, here's a fun number just for everybody listening. Phoenix, hell yeah. For just digging in for numbers, uh, uh, you say best playoff defenses in NBA history relative to opposing offenses. So the 64 Celtics, um, the 22 Bucks, the 04 Pistons, the 71 Bucks, the 19 Bucks, the 72 Bucks, the 16 Spurs, and the 19 Raptors, and the 21 Bucks. There's a lot of Bucks on there, man. Good Lord. Um, but yeah, the Raptors, I don't think people credit the raptors i know people in toronto do and i'm preaching to the choir currently obviously um but the raptors that 2018-19 team is one of the best teams i've ever seen of course some of the best teams i've ever seen have been like the chris paul and harden rockets that very nearly beat the warriors of course it's the warriors themselves but in the past 25 years that raptors team was insane uh their defense was nuts obviously historically good their diversity of offensive looks the things they could go to between like pascal marcus all in their secondary stuff and then a offense led by kyle lowry and Kawhi leonard both at the peak of their powers that team was nuts um i love looking back at that team because they played incredibly good uh like they they just played a bunch of different styles and they succeeded at all of them very very talented simon says you know it's a rough game when we (laughs) draft when we drift into 19 raptors talks i'll never stiff arm that away phoenix brings it up i'll i'll gladly drift myself into there um 125 to 104 for the hawks over the raptors and uh, phoenix says people don't like us because of the kd slash clay injuries that's true um That was crazy. That game five, when KD came in, he made those like hand and face. He made every jumper that looked at him. I was like, damn, man, this is nuts. And uh, obviously they end up winning. There's injuries there. And then Clay also, like he tore his ACL and then he tore his Achilles while coming back. That was crazy. Um, And then the Warriors came back and won it. But as you say, Phoenix plays, you play who's in front of you. I, this is something I specifically never do. I do not try and litigate championships. I hate when people do that. What do you want them to do? Everyone went to the games, everybody paid, everyone buys in. And then afterwards, everyone wants to pretend like, oh, but this and this happened. Who cares, man? Did you lift the thing? Okay, you lifted it. it says It your name there. Okay, you won. You know, if you want to say like, which was better? I don't know. That's fine. Which are the best teams of all time? Fine. But as far as, like, people try and say, like, no, this doesn't count, this was a cheap ring, all that kind of stuff. Not even just for the Raptors, but, I mean, other teams, if you win, you win. Players risk their bodies. Players risk their bodies for those championships. Like, if if that chip doesn't count, why did Clay tear his ACL? What did he tear his ACL for? What did KD tear his Achilles for? You know, that kind of stuff. Anyway, we've gone far afield. Um, 125-104, to the Hawks beat the Raptors. If you got in at the start of this, obviously you heard me talk a lot about the game at hand, and obviously we drifted, certainly, uh, towards the 2019 uh, championship Raptors. I think that is where I'm going to leave it. Uh, We're going to wrap up the podcast, and uh, thanks to everybody for listening. I'm sorry I missed the last game. Uh, Them's the breaks. Uh, Holiday season coming up, just like, I hope everybody who gets to uh, celebrate it, enjoy it. Uh, we'll be talking a few times over the duration. Uh, I'm going back to Saskatchewan to enjoy it with my family. So that'll be fun. Maybe i will get my mom to pop in on one of these and give her opinion on the Raptors. We'll see, man. We'll see. OK, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, like the video on your way out. It suggests it's other people. It's free and it supports the channel, which is good. And if you have money you'd like to throw at me for supporting, the best way to do so is to support RaptorsRepublic.com. As everybody knows, there's been a ton of Christmas time layoffs from like CBC to Yahoo Sports Canada blowing up entirely. And people in this industry, job security is not easy. Raptors Republic is trying to give job security and allow themselves to platform and jumpstart a diverse set of writers who don't have to go through the um, predatory free internship slash whatever cycle and uh, successfully has done so, has gotten people into the industry. So you can subscribe over there to support RR. That's what we do. That's what we aim to do. Thanks to everybody for listening in. I've been Samson Folk. And whether you got into this on your walk with your dog late at night or live, I appreciate the hell out of you. Have a blessed day and goodbye.